0: we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, these past several weeks, we've been reading from a section of the Gospel of Luke that is actually rather harrowing. What I mean is we find laid out before us the great principles and challenges of the spiritual life, of what it means to follow Jesus. There are a lot of people today who might be intrigued by Jesus. They find him interesting. Maybe they remember him as a a spiritual teacher. He's like a, a guru. They've got kind of warm feelings about him. Well, can I suggest to you that their ancestors are referenced at the very beginning of the Gospel for today? Listen. Great crowds were traveling with Jesus. Yeah, great crowds, because he was attractive. He was saying interesting things. He was healing the sick. He was providing what people wanted. He was being treated a bit like a pop star. Who's this fascinating, charismatic figure? And so great crowds were following him. And so he turns to them, he addresses them, but listen to what he says. Because he gives them, if you want, on purpose, a sort of slap in the face, as if to say, you know, following me is not a matter of um, following a pop star. It's not like um, you know a, a walk in the park. Following me is something of supreme spiritual and moral importance. Listen to what he says now to the crowd following him. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. <laughs> so, can Imagine that scene. All these disciples following the charismatic teacher. They're all full of enthusiasm. He turns, yes, tell us something sweet, something wonderful and uplifting. And that's what he tells them. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. What? What? It's a somewhat uh, different version of, unless you love me more than your mother and father, more than your brothers and sisters, you're not worthy of me. First of all, everybody, please see this. This is an affirmation of the divinity of Jesus. Look, you can't imagine another moral or spiritual teacher saying something comparable. They might say, unless you love my teaching, or unless you love the God to whom I point, unless you love the spiritual path that I point out to you more than mother and father, etc. But to say, blithely, unless you love me, personally, more than the most lovable things in the world? Unless you hate mother and father, brother and sister, you're not worthy to be my disciple. Well, it begs the Irish ontological question, who do you think you are? Who could say such a thing? Except the one who is, in person, the supreme good. This is as high a Christology —I'm using that technical language— as high a Christology as anything in the prologue to the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Okay, that's real clear. This is clear, too, once we sort of break the code. The only one who, who could or should be loved in this way is the one who's the supreme good. Okay. Therefore —and the Gospels, again, are over and over again clear on this point— therefore, in regard to him, a choice has to be made. You know, if he's a spiritual teacher, there are a thousand spiritual teachers. I could name them up and down the centuries. I could go to the local bookstore here and find all kinds of books by spiritual teachers. But none of them, none of them makes this sort of demand on me. Why? Because none of them is claiming what Jesus is claiming here. That's why you're either with me or you're against me. Either you gather with me or you scatter. There's an either-or when it comes to Jesus. See, he's saying to his, you know, maybe fair-weather fans here, those who are following him because he's fascinating and charismatic, do you realize what following me involves? I'm not just one more prophet. I'm God from God, and light from light, and true God from true God. Therefore, I must be the absolute center of your life. There can be no compromise. There can be no half measures. You're either with me or you're against me. Jesus calls forth from us a choice the way no other figure no other philosopher, no other spiritual teacher does. And you know, he makes this point with typical Semitic exaggeration, but the point remains unless you hate your mother and father, brother and sisters, what could this mean? Well, let me suggest something to you. In the measure that mother or father, brother or sisters have become in your life the supreme good, that's a nightmare. That's a problem. That's a huge stumbling block. Now, mother and father, brothers, sisters, lovable? Yeah, sure, sure, of course. But in the measure that they have become the central love and preoccupation of your life, that's a nightmare. And in that measure, they should be hated. If they're playing that role in your life, you have to break with them. What does St. Augustine say? Love God, and then love everything else for the sake of God. Now we're cooking. Now we're on the right track. Jesus has said, more or less, here, "I, I am divine. I am God. I am the center. Therefore, you must love him above all and everything else, including the people you love the most for his sake. Let me give you a concrete example here, and you find it a lot in the lives of the saints. That the saints have to make a break at some point with, yes, their mother and father, yes, with their own families. Think of Francis of Assisi. You know, when he's called by Christ to live this life of, of radical poverty, and, and he's, he's living like a vagabond, and he's embarrassing to his father. His father was a you know, respected businessman in the town of Assisi. Here's Francis giving away his, all his father's clothes. And so the father challenges him. And in fact, they, they bring him as a kind of trial before the local bishop. What does Francis do but, but take off all his clothes and, standing naked in the public square, he turns the—he gives the the clothes back to his father and said, I I give this all back to you because I'm following my Father in heaven. Unless you hate your mother and father. You you see, not that—I'm saying psychologically, Francis hated his father and mother, but he was signaling, you are not the absolute center of my life. Christ is. Another example from an Italian saint, my hero, St. Thomas Aquinas. You know the story that Thomas, as a young man, decides he wants to become a Dominican friar. Well, Dominicans now are a pretty respectable bunch, but in those days, the early days, they were seen as vagabonds. They were this new mendicant order, just a fancy way of saying a begging order. Living on the streets, preaching and begging. Well, Thomas, yes, he was he was in a Benedictine monastery for a time because his aristocratic parents thought he'll become the abbot of Monte Cassino. He'll become a great figure. They never envisioned he would become a begging friar in the streets. And so Thomas joins the Dominicans. His family gets wind of it, and so his mother in, in high dudgeon, sends a group of her, her other sons who were her, uh, mercenaries. And they, they stop Aquinas. And they try to to pull the Dominican habit off his back, and they say Thomas just clung to it tenaciously. And they brought him to a, a family castle, held him prisoner for a year, hoping to dissuade him from his vocation. Thomas didn't give in. So they finally gave in. They let him go. Unless you hate your mother and father, your brothers and sisters, You're not worthy to be my disciple. Again, I don't mean Thomas Aquinas psychologically hated his mother and father, but he did say, you are not the absolute good in my life. There's a higher good, the Christ who calls me. Now, let me just press this thing, everybody, because Jesus presses it with the crowds who are following him. Unless you hate your mother and father, brothers and sisters, even your own life, you're not worthy to be my disciple. Think about that for a second. Let that sink in, everybody. Look, I've been at this game for a long time. I, I've known these texts since I was a kid. I've been, I've been preaching and teaching them. This text still takes my breath away. Because you say, well, I mean, look, my own life, isn't that what it's finally all about? I mean, everything I ever experienced well, it's predicated on the fact that I'm I'm alive. It's It's my life. I can't hate my own life. Can I? unless you hate your own life. See, this is the metanoia. We say conversion, but it means going beyond the mind you have. Metanoos. Going beyond your ordinary way of seeing. See, what is, what, for, for all of us, really, all of us sinners, my life is the central preoccupation. I'm just trying to make myself as happy as I can be, right? But the Lord says, unless you hate your own life, my life isn't about me. My life doesn't belong to me. It's not as though everything revolves around my life and my needs and my preoccupations. But now, here's the metanoia. Here's the conversion. Here's the turning around. Here's the radicalization of your life. You now revolve around Christ. Everything that you are —your mind and your will and your heart and your passions and your body and your your projects and your plans— they all now begin to revolve around him. That's what it means to hate your own life. Now, can we take one more step? I always imagine if there's anybody still listening to him. So here they are all following him, and he, he gives them this sermon. I imagine that a lot of this crowd has drifted away. But how about the last thing he says to them? Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, we, after centuries of, of hearing this and having spiritualized it, we always, sure, carry your cross means you accept you know, a burden of suffering, etc. No, no, but go back to the first century to these people. They saw this. They saw people being crucified, carrying the cross beam to the place of their own execution, where they'd be strapped or nailed to this, this, uh, this cross and left to die in utter humiliation, utter rejection. I mean, they knew to take up your cross meant something horrific. And the Lord says, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. In other words, to put radically to death me and mine and I and my projects and my plans and what pleases me. No, no. Unless you hate mother and father, brother and sister, and yes, even your own life, you cannot be my disciple. It's all about Christ. He comes first. He comes last. He's the Alpha, the Omega. He's the planet around which my whole life must revolve. Maybe everybody, let's put ourselves in the the crowd that was following Jesus. A lot of us who are kind of, you know, fair weather fans or sunshine patriots, you know, we're with the Lord as long as it's no threat to us. And then hear these words. See what happens. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.